Hey, what's up, Blazer fans? Welcome to We Have a Take the What podcast. I am Tara Bowen Biggs, and I am joined, as always, by the lovely, wonderful Roselle Harding. Hey, Rose. Hi, Tara. How are you doing this morning? I am good, and I am super excited because we have a guest, and I'm going to go ahead and let you introduce him because he's your friend, and I'm so excited to meet you. Yeah, so today we are joined by my friend Tom Harp. Uh, Tom and I met at probably like 15 years ago now uh, when we were both more involved in independent. Well, I shouldn't say we're both. He's still very involved in independent film when I was more involved in independent film and I was um, programming for an Asian American film festival. um, We screened one of Tom's uh, shorts at our film festival in like 2008 and we've stayed in touch and um, he's continued to make more shorts. And this year he came out with his first feature, which is like, really amazing because I feel like he's been at it forever but I just want to say welcome Tom how are you I'm doing great it's so nice to be here and so good to see you in person kind of (laughs) kind of yeah um so I want to first ask you about your feature film because it's your first one and you've been at this like a long time like you've been making movies for you know like going in your second decade third decade I don't even second decade yeah the the I've been working on, so the first stuff that I did was I was a cinematographer to begin with. And um, when we had kids, it just became too hard to, uh, to have a nanny who would be there when I was only going to be working. I, there was one month where I only worked three days and it, it wasn't enough to pay for the nanny. So what was the point of that? And and we kind of went to a family counselor and talked about it. And he was like, are you happy doing what you're doing? And I was like, I really wanted to be someone who wrote and directed his own work. So he's like, well, then just do that. And what I did was, so I stayed home with the kids. Um, and while they were sleeping or when they blessedly went to school, um, <laughs> it then i could really focus on that and and i tried my hardest to keep making things um but i mostly have been a screenwriter uh i moved down to la just over a decade ago um when i had a script that was optioned at a major studio and i thought oh this is it this is all going to happen it's you know and then then that didn't happen. And, uh, and I was down in LA and moved my family. And, and so I had to just keep plugging away. Um, and while I was doing that, I would get some movement on some of my stories, but nothing got made. So I started making stuff for Funny or Die. I met some of the folks at Funny or Die and, and I would make kind of like the, the SNL sketches that are the filmed ones. Um, stuff that that was up on funny or die and that was successful and but i still always wanted to get back to making a movie so i ended up i wrote two very very cheap movies to make and the pandemic um everyone and most and both of them took place mostly in one location like a house one of them's called home delivery and that is all takes place at a home where a woman's having a home birth So her family all comes. So that's one location. And the other one, which is the donor party, which is the one that just got released. um, It's all, it's like 85% of it takes place during the course of one night um, at this birthday party. Um, 
and it so the donor party just was released on March 3rd and is now people can watch it and it's a fantastic feeling to have something and it's like someone say uh someone will ask me what I do and I'm like I'm a filmmaker have I seen any of your work you can now like I can actually <laughs> say you can see it now you go go rent it this is where so it's great um it's a, it's been a long road but it's it's wonderful to get to that place I think that's so interesting that you were so that you were savvy about thinking about how how to make these cheap to make them more likely to get made, especially for your first feature. Um, you know, like a lot of studios don't want to throw a lot of money at big special effects and lots of locations and a really complicated shoot. And um, it's like great that like not only did you do that, but you did it twice in the same year. That's the insane thing. I don't recommend it, <laughs> but um originally one of them was supposed to happen um like in 2021 in June of 2021 and then the talent fell apart and so everything kind of got rescheduled and and it was actually a blessing in in disguise because I was able to to go back and get the actor who I really really wanted um and her and that was Malin Ackerman and her her availability was only in like the month of we so we were doing another movie home delivery in march and then mullen called me and said okay i have a window in may so i did one movie for 16 days in march and started editing that one in april while i was prepping the one that was going to shoot in may and then shot the other one over 15 days in may Mullen's last day was like she got on a plane the next morning to go to Sweden and make another movie. So we had this crazy, crazy schedule. And then I spent last summer editing two movies, like going from one edit bay at 9.30 to 5.30. And then I'd drive across town to another edit bay and I would edit from <laughs> oh, 6.30 no. till 11.30, drive home wake up the next morning, get the kids out the door, you know, do that and start all over again. Oh my gosh. It was nuts. I, so you have two movies like in the can mm -hmm. and only one has come out. Yeah. And the other one should be soon. So that's exciting. That's exciting. Where, yeah. where can people find the donor party? Um, if you can, basically it's on Amazon prime to rent. It's on Apple to rent. It's on voodoo, Redbox, Comcast spectrum like all of the places that have on-demand stuff and it will be there uh you'll be able to do that for a long time but we're also going to be um we're finding out where it's going to land streamer wise and if you have if you're in canada it's also available in most of the places and i don't know what the cable companies are up there but it's actually going to start playing internationally like i just saw the french poster this week it's, oh, that's it's so great. exciting. Wow. Yeah. That must be just surreal. It is. It is surreal. And it's, I mean, again, it the, the most important thing, it it depends on what kind of a story you want to tell, but I I'm a comedy writer. And so it's lovely to have it get out there. And I I was fortunate they did a theatrical release. Um, so we had like a week in cinemas and I got to see it three times. We went every night over the weekend first weekend and I got to see it with audiences and, and hear the laughter and and that's just I mean that's the reason why you do it it's one of the things that I loved about going to film festivals is you know seeing something in front of an audience 
that's the reason why you make it. I mean, some people make certain movies for other reasons, but for me, it's all about connecting with an audience and and the laughter. You can't like you can't fake it. It's like it's there or it's not there. And if people laugh, it worked. It's a comedy. And if people don't laugh, it didn't work. It's not a comedy. I've never really thought about it. Like in terms of like the laughter being like the instant gratification for you, the person who wrote it, being able to sit there and listen to that happen, you know, because I'm always thinking about basketball in the in the back of my head. It's kind of like up getting that applause and that like great reaction mm-hmm. when you're like shade and sharp and you're just a 19 year old kid trying to figure out what to do. And that first time you dunk and the whole entire uh, arena goes wild, like how gratifying after all of that work that you did, that must really like lift you up. And apparently it lifts him an extra, you know, six inches to 12 inches beyond what normal humans can jump because he can jump really high. <laughs> there you go. So we one of the things I wanted to do today while we had you here was to talk about basketball movies. Now, I know that you are a baseball guy like at heart, but I know that you are a great fan of cinema and you have um, an expansive uh, t- expansive taste, although you do have, a, I think I do, I feel like you do have a lot of like a, like a special place in your heart for comedy, but we wanted to talk a little bit today about favorite basketball movies and, you know, kind of what makes, what makes good basketball movies, what makes good sports movies in general. Uh, Cause uh, I don't know. It's just something I think about a lot. And sometimes I think a little bit about like, what's a basketball movie and what is a movie that just happens to also include basketball or a sports and what's a sports movie or what's a movie that just happens to feature sports in it. Yeah. I think that that's, I think Ted Lasso brings up a lot of those questions because there's not a lot of football in Ted Lasso, but it's all technically about it, but is it, you know, like, yeah. That's, yeah. So the, it, you know, Ted Lasso being so popular, it kind of makes, you know, makes us think about, well, what is it about that show that, and I don't think it's the football, even though like the the stuff is phenomenal and, you know, like the football is life as the quote is like, that is really what it's all about. And he's, it's the, so there are a lot of things that are, that are interesting. I know that we each chose a movie that we, that we wanted to talk about. So I, you know, I think that's, that's fun that we, we all can, because who wants to have three people just talk about Hoosiers? <laughs> like that's the that's sort of the default like okay yeah great it's what it's a phenomenal movie but i like the choices um that that we made and and it's just it's fascinating so I'm do you want to you share yours what was your choice sure my choice was um the 1992 movie uh white men can't jump which was um the follow-up to bull durham which is one of the best baseball movies of all time that filmmaker Ron Shelton made. And White Men Can't Jump is about two basketball street hustlers. Um, One is played by Woody Harrelson and the other one's played by Wesley Snipes. Um, And there's sort of rivalry slash, then it becomes friendship. And um, and I I had always loved it. So I rewatched it this week and it's, it, it holds up so well, um, which is just such a relief because you're watching it like not always don't suck. true for 90. Not movies. always true. Not <laughs> yeah, always that's true. true. Um, but I really I, I think that it it's also an interesting choice. We were we were talking, uh, Rosen, you and I were talking about hustle briefly. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think hustle has there's like this thread of 
what makes you a great basketball player? Is it that you can that that you can just perform beautifully on the streets and do because the that the guy who's the central well, not the central character, Adam Sandler's the central character of Hustle, but Bo Cruz. Yes, exactly. Is the um you know, he is the 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 player and he hustles. Like his character is is a street hustler. He makes his money doing that. He feeds his family by doing that. And and that's an interesting DNA that they borrow from White Man Can't Jump, which has that, you know, the, the idea of the street hustle. And it's an interesting thing because I think a lot of the movies that deal with basketball are dealing with someone getting the chance to get into the NBA or some kind of championship, you know, speaking of Hoosiers, um, you know, there's always this kind of, uh, there, there's a team thing that's going on. And this is a very different kind of movie. And it talks about basketball in a different kind of way than when we think of it as being a team sport and what you learn by, you know, like, I think that that's the DNA that, that a lot of sports movies have is that they're, they have this, um, especially team sports movies. There's the struggle that the, that one of the players has that they have to get out of their head and the coach who's doing all this stuff. There's none of that in white man can't jump. There's like two guys who are, who are really, really, really good at the game. I don't know if they'd be good on a team because they're both Kobe's essentially, <laughs> you know, they just, they, they're like, give it to me and I'm going to do something. Um, but at the same time, it has, one of the things that I love about it is most of the people who love basketball and play basketball in life have that experience of going to like, you know, the, the court in the neighborhood and doing pickup basketball games because most of them aren't playing on any kind of team. So it's really, it, it has that, that immediacy that we all, you know, it's, it's one of the most um, democratic versions of the game it's like anyone can show up on this thing and it's they're also con men so it's almost kind of like a, a, a con movie like the sting like a, or, or like a heist other. movie yeah like a heist movie in a sense yeah so it's this delightful mix of all those things and and i and i really so i was delighted that it that it held up the the other thing that's the that's the story is it's a it is really a story about addiction um which a lot of uh which a lot of sports movies can can have like addiction to the sport or addiction to the high or addiction to whatever this guy's he's got his ego is his biggest enemy and i think that is something that it shares with hustle as well like when your ego gets in the way and you don't see how it's damaging the team usually but in this case it's the team of him and his his uh not wife but his girlfriend who's played by Rosie Perez in one of the great roles. Like she is, I, I watched that movie and I was like, every one of them is just at the peak of their performance. They're the best that they've ever been. Like I've never seen any of them in a movie that I like them more in. That's the thing that's remarkable about it. So it's, it's just a delightful movie. Every Top time I see a, a movie with Rosie Perez, I like miss her from movies. And I'm like, we don't, like, there isn't another Rosie Perez and where is she and why isn't she in my movies still? Mm -hmm. And when she was in flight attendant, cause she's in flight attendant, that HBO show. Um, and it's, and she's so small in that role. And it's, 
and, and I think it's different for her to do that. And I think that's why she wanted to do something like that. But at the same time, I'm like, but you can go full rosy. You should just go full rosy. Anyway. All right. I, so that's my movie that I, that I wanted to toss in. I didn't know it was the same director as Bull Durham. That's and tin I'm cup. kind of like still stuck thinking about that. <laughs> he also made of- blue chips with yeah. Shaq and Penny Hardaway. The real Penny Hardaway, not the one that Keith says is Anthony Simons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that guy's one. Of, I mean, he he has made some of the best sports movies. I think Tin Cup is a fantastic movie as well about golf in that case. Yeah, he really did kind of like go all over the board with sports movies. But like they all sort of have, I mean, they're different, but there's, I don't know, they have like the same kind of heart in them. Mm-hmm. Um, even though they're all different sports and all like, I mean, obviously like um, very different, very different styles of movie, I guess, or very different styles of story that we're talking he about. loves people though. And I think that's what he, so and there's a real difference when you watch someone who loves people and the kind of movies they make, there's a forgiveness to the, even the worst behavior, not a forgiveness, but like you understand people in their worst moments. And he also sees how people get, I think he's really good at looking at ego. When you look at all of his movies, like how your ego is your destroyer. Like that's the thing that will kill you is your own ego. And and your ego will, you could be at the peak of your, there's a moment, I don't know if you remember Tin Cup where he's trying to get, he's he's ahead in the game. And if he just takes the point, he'll, uh, he's in the sand trap and he could just take a point and move on. But he has to keep, doing it and he he whittles his lead all the way down to where he's no longer winning and it's like you're watching him do it and that's the thing about his filmmaking is he's just like you're watching the mistake that woody harrelson is making in in uh in white man can't jump and the mistakes that uh kevin costner made in in bull durham and it's just like oh get out of your own way dude but they can't and there's something about the male ego that he i think understands really really well i i hope that that male ego is changing but you know there's there's still kind of reptile brain stuff back there so. i remember that the tagline for white men can't jump was um it's like it ain't easy being this good or something <laughs> which is just like a reflection of that ego you're talking about yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, all right rose what about you what's yours i'm still i i don't i think i'm gonna think about that all day about the fact that bull durham and white men can jump and just about because both those because i was like in in college and those were just like white or especially bull durham it was like we have so many lines from you know bull durham that we repeat to each other and it's at that point that was such a like um I really latched onto that movie, even though I wasn't a baseball fan. And it kind of makes me think about like, I hope like sports movies like are, are not like you were just saying, they're not about the sport as much as they're about the people in them. And, you know, I wonder how much people who don't watch sports still watch sports movies, you know, cause like they're afraid to watch a sport. Maybe they don't. Cause I I tend I don't know, maybe they don't watch a sports movie because they think it's going to be about sports. That's very simplified. Anyway, I'm just going to be thinking about this. So- I do think that, that that's a question, though, that's going to come up a lot with in in the wake of Ted Lasso. And I think that that's it's a it's actually a really good question. Like people, there's a lot of people 
who don't really care about football. Like, I don't really, you know, like either, actually, I don't really care about American football either. So, I mean, but there's something about that show. And I think that there's something that hopefully will let people see that there are, there are great things. I mean, I, I love sports movies and I'm not a giant, like I was a very asthmatic kid. I didn't really play any sports. Um, so, but I did play basketball. That was one that I, that I did play. So I do feel that, that kinship with this thing. And I was glad that you guys asked me. Um, so I'll tell you my movie that I chose because it's very different, obviously from white men can't jump, but I chose, he got game. Mm. And one, as you can see from over my shoulder here, I really like Spike Lee just in general. Spike Lee is a, like a, like a director that just like blows my face off every time, but in different ways. Um, Denzel is one of my all-time favorite actors. Hands down. And oh my God, Ray Allen is like good. And he got game. And like, you know, we always talk about like, oh, you know, basketball players that cross over into music, basketball players that cross over into acting. Like Ray Allen did that. And I don't think he did anything else. And he was phenomenal. Yeah. He was phenomenal in that. He was exactly what I like wanted him to be, even though I didn't have like a strong feeling about what I thought that should be. He felt like really authentic. And maybe partly that's because it's a little bit of his lived experience. And like, I just felt like a really strong connection to the way that like it it was it was an unjudgmental look at what it's like to come up and be a gifted basketball player and everybody wanting things from you even your own father and how you deal with that with grace whilst like living the life that you want to live while also trying to live with who you are as a person I don't know I like I think about that movie a lot all the time I think it's what the other thing that I love about that that movie is it the notion of like fathers and sons and my dad is not into sports at all my dad's actually um you know when I was a teenager he he also owned an art gallery and so he loved but he would play classical like we weren't allowed to listen to anything but classical music when I was a kid um so he was very, he was on the board of the symphony, like he's super, super artsy, blah, blah, blah. Um, but we always had that ability to talk about things through art. And I think that that mirrors, even though we didn't have sports as the thing, it mirrors the kinds of conversations that people have. Like you get into these other areas of life through talking about sports and when you see those very in that movie very toxic relationship between the father and son and that idea of um you're doing the thing that I couldn't do you know but I can still do it but they, it's that wish fulfillment the parenting wish fulfillment and it I mean there's a lot of universal truths in that story and the weight that that carry that that a kid carries with that um I know that I was like I was so desperate for my dad's validation when I was in film school and I wanted to, him to see my movies. Like it was so important that he thought it was good because he cared about it so much and that you just feel that weight. Um, and I think that that's a, that's a powerful, powerful thing. And, and something that we all experience in one way or another, you know, with, with our parents and, the, and, and with our children, you know, like the way that you are, that you 
interact with your kid. You don't want to burden them with all that stuff, but you know that you kind of, we, I mean, my wife and I joke that we always, you know, it's a good day if we only add 15 minutes to their therapy. Like that's kind <laughs> of, when we're like, oh, that's not bad. We did, we did okay today. But I think that there's, you know, we, we carry these, those, the social bonds that are created through sports are the, like my daughter is, it plays, she played volleyball and she plays basketball. And right now she's, it's track season. So she's doing track and it's, um, and she is not the person, like I, I was joking with one of these parents and I said, when they were playing basketball, none of these girls are going to go to the WNBA. So we should chill out. Like they're all <laughs> just enjoying it. It's okay for them to just, and I have a t-shirt that says, um, I just hope both teams have fun. Like <laughs> that's a t-shirt I show up to the games wearing because I, I don't it. want them to have that. I don't want her to have that extra baggage. I, I'm happy when she gets off the bench. She's, she's making an effort. She's taking shots. She, she makes it fantastic. But if she takes a shot, then that's great. Like all I care about is that she's trying and, and contributing. But a lot of people are not like that. A lot of the parents are hyper competitive. And, uh, you know, we did travel volleyball, which is like, so team, like the, the, the stuff you pay for, as opposed to what, like going to public school, she's on the JV team of basketball and on the JV track, but we did the, the club volleyball. And those, some of the parents were like, just the worst. <laughs> you know, they were so competitive. They were so, it just was awful to, to be around that level. And I think that's an interesting thing that sports movies really do a good job of. Even like there was a dumpling was a movie with, with beauty contests, you know, little miss sunshine beauty contests. That's another sports movie. It's just a different way of looking at it and how we talk about competition and how we feel our kids are out the reflection of who we are or the kids who are carrying that weight. So I think he got game is great for that. I, it really talks about that. I, I would add to that, that, you know, when you were talking about how, you know, with the, the travel, you know, the parents just being so much more like over the top into it and sports movies sometimes give us, us a little glimpse into that. Because I so often these movies are about like they're about the ultimate prize, whether or not the ultimate prize or achievement is like getting into the professional league or getting into the college or about winning the big game. And sports movies give us like a little bit more understanding of like all the stuff that goes to getting to that point. And for me, I'm always trying to figure out like where people are coming from. And so like, yeah, I've, I've been in all those places where you just have parents who are just like losing their minds about stuff. And you're just like, what do you, what's going on? But I always try to look at it. Like, where are they coming from? Like, have they put all of their family's future hopes and dreams into this? Or is this just something that their child is so into and that's how badly they want them to succeed. There's it sports movies allows us to see various different perspectives of that and where people where people are coming from and it's like sports is just like the vehicle that they're that's telling the story well it's also really you know the, that's sort of the great thing about sports movies is that they it's kind of like wedding movies there is a structure to a wedding movie because there's going to be uh -huh. you know there's the rehearsal dinner 
you know that there's the bachelorette party, the bachelor party, you know, so there's those. So you you have events that that give you clear markers of time. And you're like, oh, well, you can't be at the almost end of the movie and you, you're still in the rehearsal dinner. Like that, that, that would be weird. We all kind of have this, there's a flow that we understand. So whether it's looking at the course of a season, you know, and they're like, uh, struggling but they start to get their groove and they start to get uh, you know and can they make it oh no someone their their star is out so can the team you know like there is a structure to that or if it's in like for the love of the game was one game and his you know and how getting through the rotation was going to be so whatever it is you know that there's like the structure of a game has a beginning in the middle and an end and sometimes an intermission that, you know, like when they can go off and do their stuff, but that's, that structure gives the, and it has certain expectations. And I think that one of the reasons why I love genre movies so much, whether it's horror or sci-fi or comedy is that part of it is you're playing with expectations. And what I love about the reason why I'm so attracted to comedy is because I'm always the person who's like, yeah, but would you go back into that house? Would you know? Like, <laughs> wouldn't you just leave? Like, is anyone like I? I always have that little voice in my head, and I think that that's because I know what the expectations are, and I like subverting those expectations. So, because I think that that's you know, it's very easy to tell the hero story, but I I'm often much more interested in the sidekick story. Is kind of the way I like it. So those are the fun characters to write, and uh, but. The notion that you brought up, Tara, about parents and how it reflects different sides of it, I think is really, that's the thing that, like, I'm very excited for the Air movie coming out because I hear that it's not even going to have Michael Jordan himself in it or, like, you never see his face because they didn't want to break the spell. But it's really about his, you know, these, the Nike folks talking to the family and and trying to figure out what does Michael Jordan mean? What's he going to mean? Like, what is his promise? And what is that going to mean for the sport of basketball? And there's definitely going to be moments where they're playing the sport, but it's talking about shoes and it's talking about, and shoes means what it, because I remember when people would go and steal people's shoes. Like They still steal people's shoes. Still steal people's shoes. But like, it was getting a pair of Jordans was like a big deal. And you would like hold someone up for their Jordans or whatever. So that's the the thing that talks about how we as fans, like it's an interesting thing because it's actually talking about fans and how we are the people who add all that extra layer and add the, you know, the reason why they can sell millions is because they know that someone's going to watch Michael Jordan and want to buy his shoe because it might give you like an extra inch of height or just because you want to be touched by that greatness, you know? So it's a really interesting thing to look at. That's an unusual one because we have not really talked about it from what it means to the fans. Most of the sports movies really are about the players. I want to make sure we get to Tara's movie. Yes, please. Tara, tell us what your choice is. Well, it's not a particularly deep one. I've never pretended that I liked anything that is particular deep and that I'm anything but shallow. I love semi-pro. 
Give me a Will Ferrell sports movie. I will pretty much watch any of them. I love comedy, which is why I was so excited to find out that you were, you know, a comedy writer because comedy for me is like what I want to pay for. I don't want to pay for horror or I don't want to pay for sadness, although they're important and they definitely have a role. Uh, it's just not for me, for me, what is funny. But the, the thing that I really love about Semi-Pro, which is, is that it was based on the ABA. And until I had seen Semi-Pro, I hadn't really, I didn't really know that the ABA existed. And for people who might be listening who don't know what the ABA is, it was a short, it was a league that existed briefly, um, early 80s, late 70s, um, mm-hmm. that was like started with the intention of we're going to force our way into the NBA and we're going to be wild and do all all the fun stuff that the NBA teams don't do. We're going to have a three-point line. We're going to have a red, white, and blue ball. We're going to do, you know, all these um, just wild, like halftime things like wrestle bears. (laughs) um, There's a hilarious book um, called, um, loose balls. That's about, it's like an oral history of the ABA. And so semi-pro was actually based on that very loosely based, but there are a lot of stories from semi-pro that you would recognize from loose balls. Um, I just, I loved the comedy of it. It's one of those ones that, you know, leads up to a big game and the big game is about whether or not they're going to be able to go into the NBA, but just the whole thing was so ridiculous and to me so entertaining. Um, So yeah, not a, not a deep pick, (laughs) but one which I've always thoroughly enjoyed and kind of what I wanted to touch on about it is the fact that it was like based on reality. And one of the things that like, which is kind of like I'm trying to figure out like why I like that movie so much because one of the things I like about actual sports sports, like the live thing, the live product of sports is that you never know what's going to happen. And honestly, anything could happen. The best team in the league could completely come out and fall on their faces and get by beat by the worst team in the league. It doesn't happen often, but it could happen. Like you don't know, you have to play the game. And that's one of the things that I love it. I love about it, but often when I'm watching one of my teams that I love play um, and I'm so tense and I'm watching it and then the outcome is whatever the outcome is, I have to go and pivot and watch a Hallmark movie because I know exactly how a Hallmark movie is going to end. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. so I, I have to balance out just like the absolute chaos of real sports with something that is like predictable. And so the fun thing about semi-pro is that it, it built up to this game still didn't really know how it was going to turn out and how it turned out didn't really matter in the end because the story was just about the people and about about the league itself so that's my pick i love that you picked that by the way because there was like a small part of me that was like maybe we should pick a comedy and maybe i would pick basketball if that counts (laughs) but um, i love basketball that's i love basketball But there's something really great about those like those comedy movies that also like teach you a little bit about something too. Like you talked about like the ABA, like a lot of people don't realize that Denver was an ABA team. And sometimes I think that when I'm really mad at them, San Antonio, like like, there was a chance we wouldn't have had you. (laughs) You're lucky. (laughs) And the thing that's the thing that's fun about that movie is I do feel like it, 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 is a short movie. It's 91 minutes long. Those are my um, favorite movies, by the way. That's how I judge a movie is whether yeah. or not it's 90 minutes or around 90 minutes long. <laughs> yeah. 
No, it's true. Um, and that movie has this, but it has this interesting thing. Several ties, a personal tie for me is that Rob Corddry is is in my movie and he's in, he's one of the craziest characters in Semi-Pro. He plays Maura Tierney's boyfriend who is so, he's such a fan of Woody Harrelson that he doesn't mind that Woody Harrelson is is making out with his, yeah. uh, with his girlfriend. <laughs> he's like, <It's> cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I wrote to Rob last night after watching, because uh, I watched Semi Pro last night. Um, and then he was like, that is one of the weirder characters in a menagerie of weird characters I've played. <laughs> and he's played a lot of them. <laughs> played a, so that, many weird characters. I love that we have two Woody Harrelson movies in right, this book. Right. <laughs> that was the other one. And it's interesting because it's 92 when he did. Um, the thing that I, uh, the other thing that I really, really love about a lot of basketball movies is that. there's no helmet to hide people so like in some baseball movies you, you, the like the batter you, you they'll they'll do on the side that you can't really tell if they're hitting it or not and so, and like i i love a league of their own the the movie and the the uh, the prime series that came on but some of them just don't know how to hit and they just faked it and it's like oh really but in the basketball movie in this one in particular um in white man can't jump it's you see them shooting shots you they're making their they're dunking they're hitting threes they're doing behind the back passes all the stuff andre benjamin in um semi-pro he is doing all of that stuff like there's nothing fake about what they're doing i think they saved all the fake shots for will ferrell but then you <laughs> see woody harrelson and he still got the moves and he's hitting threes and it was great like watching that was like oh yeah see even 16 years later he still he's got it he he clearly and he's in that new movie champions coming out soon where he plays a coach he must love basketball on like a george clooney style level of loving basketball because does george clooney, clooney love basketball oh my god that's why in er they they play basketball in the like when they're taking breaks, they'll go play basketball because Clooney loves playing basketball and he will always go play basketball during any of his, like, it's harder for him now because he's a little bit older, but he loves playing basketball. Um, and during the yard, they had that, the the court and they would have conversations on the court between him and whatever doctor was out there, Anthony Edwards, most of the time. But That's so funny. I, I didn't know that about him. I mean, I do know that I've seen like, video of Clooney playing basketball but I just never thought like oh it's because he like loves it so much it's not like he's like a fixture and it's not like he's Billy Crystal sitting courtside anywhere or like nope. Jack Nicholson or something like so it's like some guys I feel like hide their their fandom a little bit more Will Ferrell no. actually was at a Blazer game earlier this year and it was a big deal that is a big deal well it's like, I remember when it was the highlight like, of that was... game <laughs> yeah because it, it was a, a great game, game. <laughs> I for I remember when Bill Clinton went on went on TV and played saxophone, and I thought that was so cheesy. But when I saw President Obama hit a three-pointer, I was like, that's awesome. <laughs> and you knew that he actually loves the sport. And there was something that was like self, uh, self-congratulatory about what Clinton did. And I, you know, whatever. I'm not here to slag Clinton. I think he's he's done a lot of great things. Um, but the it was not a high point for me watching him play saxophone, uh, but watching Obama hit that three, I was like, 
that's my president. <laughs> well, for some saxophone player out there, maybe it helped them feel seen. Totally, totally. I get it. <laughs> so Tara, I wanted to ask you something about semi-pro. Okay. Who's your favorite character? Because there's a lot. I mean, I think the Will Ferrell character. I loved his just like undying, like optimism of like he's gonna make this work and him being in all those owner meet and like the fact that he did everything on the team i don't know i just i i loved that character jackie moon like that yeah he he did everything he went and argued with the owners and he made deals and he played and he wasn't the best player on the team but yeah and he tried to co i think he was the coach for he tried to be the coach i don't know it's been a while since i've seen it i think that was my favorite character how about you did you have a favorite character on the team I don't think I could have a favorite, honestly. I have a hard time picking favorites because like it feels very temporary to have a favorite. Like I do, I, I watch it and then I watch it three years later and I have a different favorite mm -hmm. or I watch it and then I watch it two weeks later and I have a different favorite because you notice new things all the time mm -hmm. or you're at different phases in your life where different characters like kind of mean different things to you. Yeah. And so like for me, like a lot of times my favorite character feels very like temporary. Mm -hmm, for sure. I I don't think Woody would have been my favorite character. The guy, I can't remember the name of the character that he played. What? Monix. Monix. Because I, I like, I just, like I said, I loved the, just the like untempered enthusiasm and belief that Will Ferrell had. And I, I love the, and that just because of like how ridiculous his belief was that makes him the underdog. And I, like one of the things I've I've said for a long time as a Blazer fan, like to me, it seems super easy to be a Laker fan. They're good. They stay good. And then they win. And then every once in a while, they're not. And then they're good again. And then they stay good. And then they win. Like how fun and exciting is that? When the Blazers win the championship again, that is going to feel so incredible. I mean, look at the Kings. Look how they feel right now, just getting back to the playoffs after 16 years. I mean, hanging on to that. And then like, to me, it's just like the, it's so much about the ride and then finally getting there. And so Will Ferrell's just like mercurial personality and belief, which would just in the face of everything made no sense you know, that to me was more compelling than, you know, Woody's character being the ringer and, you know, being brought in for the win. And, that, you know, it's fine. It's fine if Woody's your favorite character. Just wasn't mine. I There's an interesting thing that that happens in, in a lot of these. Like, you're there's something that you said about um, the underdog. Because I keep thinking about dodgeball when I think about <laughs> underdog. Because, like, literally, it was a true yeah. underdog story was the tagline. Yeah. Um, and Another the one original of my ending, uh, it's a great movie. Um, the original ending of that had them losing. Yeah, and, I remember reading that actually. And and it was because Ben Stiller was like, it's so much funnier if like all this build up and then we take it away from them. <laughs> and and they shot it and they did it. And and like people were like, no, <laughs> this they, is they terrible. Hanked the scores. And so they were like, so when you look at the new at the new ending, it is absurd because they were like, okay, fine. Let's just do the most ridiculous thing. Sure, let's have them win. And then let's have the Christine Taylor character make out with a woman. And then, you know, like all, like they just threw everything at it. They had a, a ridiculous, um, they were just, they just decided 
let's make the craziest, stupidest thing because we don't believe in it. And that's kind of that that made it not as good to me. And like, I love the idea of them losing as the end of the movie. That would have been brilliant. But um, that's just because I like to go against expectations. But the other thing, when, when you talked about like the team and the way, again, that's like my su supporting characters. I love the supporting characters so much in movies. And the, watching, um, rewatching it last night, Jason Sudeikis, Ted Lasso himself, plays a fan who like in the in one of the first scenes of semi-pro and he's eating nachos and he's like did you get those from the concession stand and he's like no i brought them from home he's like can't do that and he's like i've just bought see season tickets i can do anything i want he's like and so there's there's a murderer's row of amazing comedy talent in that movie and it just reminded me of like Slapshot, which is another one of my mm -hmm. absolute favorite sports movies um and no one believes it when I tell them that was written by a woman in the seventies. And it's like, because it seems so macho on, on the surface, because what people remember are all the body checks from the two brothers who were kind of not good players, but they body checked everyone and they were super violent and they would get into fights. That's one of the great movies, but it's also made great because it, every single person in it is fantastic. And so the, even though Paul Newman is the star of the movie and he's kind of where the, you know, he's got the journey similar in a way to what uh semi pros journey was. Um, it, it's because everyone else is so good and you're just like, you, so you can't really pick a favorite. Like everyone wants to say it's those two guys, but honestly, everyone in, the, in that movie is fantastic. And, and I would say the same thing. I think semi pro is just like the two commentators, Will Arnett and Andy Daly. They're so funny. And Andy Daly I, I, is just, you know, his beleaguered husband, you know, everything not working for him and his, like, there's so many things in that, that, that when you rewatch it, you're like, oh, God, that too, that's funny too. So I mean, and there's a whole subgenre of sports announcers in sports movies, which we could go on, oh, and, on yeah. and on about, but we can't because we have time. But oh my gosh, so many movies have just like those two characters who do the announcing are their own. I mean, yeah, even Jason Best in Bateman, Show, which isn't really a sports movie, but kind totally. of totally. That was my other one. The announcers, <laughs> the, the greatest. And uh, in Dodgeball, just them saying the joke of it's ESPN eight, the Ocho. Is and it became a thing. They made a thing out of it. So perfect. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. I I wanted to say that this Tara, because you're talking about, you know, like how great it is to be the kings. I was just telling Tyler last night that I was like, I think it's better in all respects to be from one of the like a fandom where winning is special. Because I think about how I feel during the Olympics when the United States is like, oh, we win medals and that's the rule, not the exception. But then the, the expectation is, though, is that you end up expecting medals from people. And when they people don't win them, it's like they're a disappointment. And I don't like that, like kind of paradigm for athletes because everyone is their own athlete. But like that must be why Lakers fans are so disgruntled is because they think that winning is the exception or is the, is the rule and not the exception. And so when they win, they're like, yeah, OK, great, we won where's the next one? And I'm like, just be happy that you won one in the bubble where nobody noticed. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I'm all a little about bitter, a little bitter there. Okay. I want to make sure, because 
I'm trying to be cognizant of time. I want to make sure that we talk about social media player of the week because one of the items is movie related. And I would like to I would like to unpack this with the crowd. So we have we, so Tom, each week we dominate um Blazers for social media player of the week based on how what they did on th- with their social media in the last week since we last recorded. Um and we have some nominees this week. Uh Tara, do you want to talk about the trend in Watford one? Because I don't remember sure. what this is about. Yeah. Um, so one of our nominations is um Trend and Watford retweeted a photo, which is become one of my favorite all-time blazer photos of uh shade and sharp of course dunking and trend and watt who just threw him the lob jumping high in the air and we all know that trend and will admit that he is not a very athletic person himself trend and watt for jumping for joy high in the air as he watches Shaden catch the lob and put it in this is in the game against utah the other day the trailblazers tweeted it says this is a work of art trend and we retweets it and says twim nem um like strong arm um like uh, the emoji where you're like blowing through your nose and then like an up arrow <laughs> i know that okay. was a very exciting description um trend and watford and shade and sharp have had a great week the blazers have not had a great week <laughs> although they did get a really super fun win in utah but the the not fun part about this week is that we're all realizing that they're shutting it down and that they are no longer trying to win games. And here we go to the end um, to establish a spot in the lottery. Um, but Trendon, even last year when they were like loudly tanking, Trendon kept his spirits up and he played so hard. He played himself into a contract came back this year with this contract that he had won the reigning summer league finals MVP and has just continued to like be a joy to watch and also get better. Like suddenly when the Blazers were down centers, Trendon Wofford, who's what, six, eight. Oh, you're our center now. Uh, Go for it. And also, by the way, we also don't have any ball handlers like now. So you're also going to need to be point Watford. Um, So just do it all, please. And through that all, he's like, he's like come up with this great connection with the rookie Shaden. And um, as he has success, he's been pretty active on Twitter and we like to reward guys for just like being willing to be out there and share their thoughts you know, through this vehicle because they don't have to, like they could not ever do anything for fans. And, you know, some of them choose not to, but the ones who do do, we, we think it's cool. So my nominee, uh, one of my nominees is this trend and he's been calling, uh, Shaden twin. They've been calling each other twins a lot. And Brooke Olsendam, the sideline reporter, the other was interviewing him the other day. And she was like, how sets of twins are there on this team because apparently they're always calling each other twins and he's like i don't know but shane's my twin shane's my twin so yeah just all the joy in that in that tweet and just all the work that it represents for for trendon i just am so proud and happy for him because he was wasn't he undrafted he was undrafted he was undrafted and we picked him up kind of you picked know, him up on it, a two-way yep and then he played himself into like a three-year contract or something he he played himself into a full uh contract you know and i he's i think he's he's gonna you know he's a regular nba player it's great so happy for him uh the other one I so see that was is, a long one <laughs> the other one i see is damian lillard that you nominated 
And I can't see like so I can't see what the actual video is attached to it. Okay. Because this is just a picture. So can you explain? Yes. So this is another retweet. Damian Lillard um retweeted somebody named Molly Ooch, maybe is her last name. And um she tweeted Park Rose Bronco News with a tribute to Damian Lillard and his well-rounded success at Damian Lillard at Ro- at Park Rose. So Damian Lillard has, through his respect campaign, a partnership with Park Rose High School. Um, He goes and, you know, to several high schools in the area and, you know, gives pep talks, talks about responsibility, talks about attendance and all these good things. And is uh, periodically like retweeting nominations from teachers about students who've done something exceptional or who've just done what they're supposed to do, which is like show up at school and be like a, you know, great person and, um, you know, contribute to their community. So this one is a video that some students, so apparently at Park Rose High School, they have like a daily news show. And in the middle of this daily news show, they dropped like a 40 second montage about of Damian Lillard um, and just like all about Damian Lillard. He's got this many assists and he's got this many points and um, like this is his like net worth and he has four studio albums <laughs> and their point was that he's really well-rounded like so they as students of the school you know who get periodic visits from him were just giving him you know his own flowers as he's come to recognize them and I just thought it was really cute so Damian Lillard retweeted it with a little heart you know uh, hand heart hand thing I'm trying to make a little heart hand thing and a little salute emoji I just the fact that Damian Lillard, you know, is just looking through all these things going, oh, this is cool. I'm going to retweet that. I just I just appreciate him so much for that. He's really good at like recognizing the students in his associated with his like uh, philanthropic work. He always he still has been tweeting them, tweeting their pictures out and talking about how great they are like for years now. Like those some of those threads like that he has of those students are like old, like they've been going on for years and years. And I love that he still does it because, he, you know, like he has like a really visible account. He has like a lot of followers. And um, that means that all of these um, uh, students are getting their, their shout outs from Dame. Um, okay. The third one I want to talk about is one that I chose because it is Jeremy Grant resharing a post that we have talked about before in the past on this podcast. It's so mysterious. I don't know what it means. Okay. So here's the thing. I am talking about Jeremy Grant's story where he reshared his post from several months ago from Howl's Moving Castle. And it is a picture of Hal as a little boy that we from the end of the movie. Sorry if this is a spoiler, but if you haven't seen it by now, I don't feel really beholden to keeping the end a secret to you. Um, <laughs> the the end of the movie is where uh, Sophie goes and sees Hal in the past as a little boy, and we see why he is the way he is in a, as an adult, and it's because um, Calcifer, his like his 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 little spirit friend. Uh, is a falling star he falls out of the sky and Hal catches him and gives him his heart because he will die without it so so calcifer is holding Hal's heart the whole movie and that is like a big reason why he is the way he is and that's the secret that nobody that they can't tell anybody and sophie has to find it out so that she can help save his life now that he is a, a grown man but also like really suffering because he does not he hasn't had his heart the whole time so what does this mean about jeremy grant let's talk about this a lot of people have been trying to analyze this one but they, it's clear that they haven't like seen the movie or read the book 
that this is associated with. And Tom, I'm curious if you have an idea, but knowing that Jeremy Grant is a, is a blazer, this is his last year on his contract. We are expecting to resign him this summer, but the team has not performed as well at the end of the season as like we did at the beginning where we were hotter. Do you have any thoughts? So it is I because I didn't I didn't see the actual post. Is it just literally the picture? It's just literally the picture of him holding the falling star Ooh, wow. in the field, you know, about to, you know, and he's about to like spit out his heart to put into Calcifer so Calcifer can live. And we know it's a little bit about like his like him feeling like sad and wanting to save a falling star as a boy, but then like that has a lot of repercussions for him as he gets older and he's I mean, lived with that his heart. feels really if he didn't have any comment on it himself, then he then he probably really loves the movie. <laughs> yeah, he's is, an anime. We know for sure that Jeremy Grant watches anime. Okay. So then if he if he really loves the movie, then that to me feels like it doesn't feel terribly hopeful. You know, like <laughs> It feels like he's saying, this is what I've given up to, to be here, you know, like, and uh, there's, there's a melancholy there. That's like, that does not necessarily bode well for, because it doesn't bode well for Howell, what he's done. He did this sacrifice. He made a, a huge sacrifice in order to, to save Calcifer. And that, and we, then when we see that, we understand it. It's like, so he's, is he saying that he made this huge sacrifice? to to be there and and it's killing him <laughs> well so here's clear the context jeremy grant did not sign with the blazers he was traded to the blazers oh okay so he signed with the pistons and arrived here last year last season during or i guess in the between last season and the season hmm. on a trade with the pistons um and people he, he's played very well here they the blazers started hot earlier but then they aren't doing so well at the end here and people have expected him to resign and Tara hasn't had an interaction with Jeremy Grant where he at least said to her I'm hoping to stay um oh well then maybe it is hopeful <laughs> that said I I don't know if that it, it if it's the Blazers if it's basketball like what what the what it represents, what he gave his heart to, he could have given it to the sport. Um, whether this is like who he is, something completely unrelated to basketball, too, like what he's given his heart to. Tara. Could it be Kendall Jenner? Oh, yeah, that's right. There is a rumor <laughs> that Jeremy Grant and Kendall Jenner are dating. Which apparently it's over. It was a very short-lived rumor. Was it over or did it never happen? I th I think it was that it was that it never happened i think that, that the rumor was false okay what i see in this picture and i'm still completely confused about what it's about is a what appears to be a a young person holding something that fell down from the sky in his hands and is looking at it very intently so are you telling me that thing that he's looking at is like somebody else's soul it's a fallen star it's a fallen star okay so jeremy's I'm or somebody so this this person is looking at a falling star yes and what's going to what is about to happen in the scene what what is about to happen is he like kind of spits up his heart okay and, and gives it to the star so that it can live instead of die okay so jeremy's gonna give us in the blazers his heart so that they can live 
and he can contribute to winning in life maybe i mean maybe. that's a, that that's the best case scenario <laughs> <laughs> i don't think that i i think that that would be yeah i mean that then he's not making a comment on himself hmm, that's a, i like that i i would hope that that's what he means that that's a very hopeful interpretation you know it's very jeremy grant i think that he's i think he's he thinks on several levels different or deeper i mean he wears shoes with toes like unironically like boldly like in fashion walk so he's clearly like on a different level you know than all of the rest of us so yeah i just think it's very jeremy grant that that he's that he's putting and i don't know that he's putting it out there to get portland fans all um excited about something or if it's just i i see him just thinking about like i really love this show i just really <laughs> love this movie i mean it is it in so this is a this is a great I think it's it's sort of an underrated Miyazaki. It hasn't had as much attention as some of the others, like Totoro and and Spirited Away. And sometimes I think I was at one point I was thinking about that, how like this is a movie that has is a is an important to me is an important one in Miyazaki's work, but it's not necessarily like the number one or number two that people think of yeah. when they think of his movies. And I'm like, that's kind of Jeremy Grant, just like on our team and in basketball, is he's always a really great player, but he's never like the guy. Wow, that's super meta. <laughs> that's like <laughs> that's like common. I don't know. I I think that there's the thing that's interesting is that that when you see that moment, it recontextualizes the character. So he's a prickly. You know, Howell is not a pleasant character for most of the movie, um, and you understand, and it makes you it recontextualizes in the last moment. Oh, I get it now. I understand all the things that may have come and seemed cruel, not cruel, but like uncaring. And he's like vain. That's yes. the other thing. People might, there are some people that definitely probably think Jeremy Grant is vain because he's very fashion. He's very fashionable. He cares a lot about like, about he like express he, it's like an artistic expression for him but like I could see that the perception being that he's vain because he's like a high fashion NBA player. He's like walked in fashion week and stuff like that. In toeless shoes. So. Yeah. <laughs> but like, you know, so there could be this like thing of like, there's a reason for why I am the way that I am that you, that people don't know about. That's me. what I was going with in the first place. Like, but I, again, I don't know him well as a player, so I don't, I can't, I can't really extrapolate, but that, that was where I was like, oh, okay. For, for the haters, this is the reason why I gave my heart to this, sport or to whatever and that's the thing because that's what the the moment does in the in the movie is it recontextualizes a character who's not someone who you're like oh, i don't like him um but then you understand him and that's so that could be what it is but i really love tara i like your interpretation so much more <laughs> i hope that's what he meant like that's the that's the positive thing like i'm gonna bring this i'm giving my heart to the blazers I've been talked around to what you guys believe about it just being contextualizing who he is, you know, that it's like, we are a sum total of all of these different things. We're, you know, kind of going back to like sometimes where um, people need to be reminded that the players are people first. 
and you know we don't know everything about them so i i could i can see that being that that kind of message too i love this it always gets us talking that's for sure Mm -hmm. i love this and it also is like him sharing something that his his interest that is outside of basketball with us which i really like when players show us who they are in other ways they don't owe us that in any way and i never like think that anyone like that just like has to do that but I always really enjoy that when we get to see like the books Matisse Thibel is reading or like the movies that they're the animes that they're watching or you know like all of their little hobbies outside their families yes their families their their pets we we just really like seeing who they are outside of basketball because we want to see like the whole person and the whole player as for who they are um which includes like all of the personal stuff because you know one day they won't be a player in the NBA and that all that other stuff will still be there and be a part of who they are and some of these guys will be members of our community and um we like we like feeling like we we they'll own car dealerships them. yeah that's true I mean Damian Lillard owns one now and, and he owns a Toyota Damian Lillard Toyota um okay so do we have a choice who's who was our winner for social media player of the week well, I'm going to just jump in and say, because I am the only person in my family who is not an educator, I got to, I got to give it up for, um, I don't even remember who, who, who it was, Damien, Damien. Damien Lynn, yeah. who um, talks about school and goes to the school and, and volunteers and does that because it's a really it's, it's a challenge to be a teacher. It's a challenge to um, inspire kids. I think everyone who takes the time to do that and also right now, especially post pandemic to talk about the importance of just showing up. That's a lot of, there's a lot of kids who are not consistently going back to school and there's a lot that they have lost. Wow. You convinced me. He has my vote now. (laughs) (laughs) I guess that's it. Damian Lillard. Congratulations. You are our social media player of the week. And we really are impressed and happy to see you continuing your respect campaign and doing all the work you do in our community. We really appreciate you. So yay, Damian Lillard. Well, who, who, who would have been your vote, Rose? Uh, my vote was going to be for Trenton. Okay. Um, but I, you know, uh, so shout out to Trenton. I, yes. I see you and I am so glad that you're here to make lemonade out of some lemons here at the end of the season and bring us joy. And it's been like really wonderful to see like the Blazers have not been good this season and last season. And that's really the time that he's been playing with us, but he's really grown a lot as a player. And if this is the last season we see of him, I want to recognize how like much growth we saw and that I don't think we're going to be his last stop if we're, if he's moving on this summer. Um, But I've really enjoyed watching Trenton play. He's a very interesting player too. He's like, he doesn't really fit like a, like an archetype of player that we typically see. And um, I think that, guys like that are really special because like getting the most out of them is fun. It's going to be Portland's dream on green. Yep. Um, we do one last thing before we get off Tom. Okay. Our podcast is called, we have a take and we end our podcast with a take that we have. And, uh, I'll ask Tara to go first because, uh, then you can get like a little feel for how this works. So okay. Tara, What's your take this week? And it can be basketball related or unbasketball related. Okay. That's right. For me, it is basketball related. And that is Shaden Sharp is him. <laughs> he is him. I'm waving my arms in the air like like a, a church person who's like, you know, saying he has arrived. Shaden Sharp is him. 
loved watching him play. I cannot believe that we have a 19 year old who can already score in three different levels, who can also play competent defense, who gets steals, who gets rebounds and is a absolute joy to watch. Shaden Sharp is him. That is my take. Awesome. I love that take. I will tell you, my take this week is not basketball related. My take this week is this snow needs to cut it out. (laughs) Because if you don't know, so Tom, I know you're in LA, but it snowed here yesterday. It snowed here this morning. It is snowing. It is spring. And Portland, this is not what we do here. I am. And I know that last week I was here complaining and talking about how spring sucks, actually. Well, you know what? (laughs) The snow sucks, too. I am super comfortable with my drizzle in the spring. That is totally fine by me. But snow, mm-mm, no, snow <laughs> sucks. That's my take. Tom, do you have a take? What's I'm your take? I think. Well, my take, my my eldest daughter is trans, and so the all the stuff that's going on in this country is with all the laws that seem to be about you know, that, that on the surface, they're saying, well, we want to protect the girls in, uh, who are born biologically as girls in sports. That's where this whole thing started. And I, I am so over mm-hmm. this like need for, to find a villain for one po- political party to be able to, to beat up on a, on a group. Um, I think that, you know, they, they were searching for something after the uh, after Roe versus Wade got overturned. And now they're on to this. And it's like it's we're going to get past it. But right now, I just don't understand. And then Uganda did the 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 law that's I mean, it's not a very hot take. I think a lot of people agree, but I'm just I I'm over all the hate. I cannot I don't understand why we need it. Like, what is it possibly doing and and what possible good does it is it going to have on our culture to vilify a group of people? Any any time, anywhere, and to just change that group over the course of time and say, like, you know, China is to blame for for covid and then shifting like whatever it is to, to have to hate something when we're having a hard time is is so 20th century and we need to be over it we need to move on and and be in the 21st century and see that people have the ability to have lots of shades of who they are um and that all of our assumptions need to get chucked out the window and we need to see people face value you know as they show up instead of all the baggage that you bring along and you cluttered media absorbed life so that's my thing i know it's super downer no that that is so harmful it is just it is so it is so harmful and the the fact that they're acting like it's gonna save people when what it's really gonna do is just harm and stunt and injure and oh yeah i'm with you on that one i too am over the hate and the negativity that we direct around to advance whatever Whatever thing we were out there to try to advance, we don't need hate to do it. Oh, and it's all smoke and mirrors too. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's all like, look at all this stuff and then let's push through whatever bad stuff we want. You know, like yeah. stuff that's just greed oriented. Let's get yeah. that stuff through. 
hate, hate, hate. Get us in an office. Greed, greed. It's just, it's a, it's just the same cycle. Just new, just they pick a new group and that's it. That's all it does. It's, it's tiring and we should, and we fall into, we fall into the trap of like getting in. We don't say, Hey, look, this is just a dumb argument. We should stop having this argument. No one says that. Boo. 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 We're over that. Mm -hmm. Before we wrap this up, Tom, I want to say thank you for joining us today. We really appreciated having you to talk about movies. I will, when we yeah. post this episode, I will make sure that we share the trailer for the donor party so people know um, what to look forward to and then also quickly where we can find it. But tell people, please, where they could find you on social media or any of the stuff that you are promoting um, right now. Uh, I'm the easiest person to find on social media because I'm at Tom Harp, which is goofy because it's T-H-O-M-H-A-R-P. I chose when I when I was in fifth grade, there were five Toms and I wanted to be different. So I chose Tom probably around the same time as Tom York chose to be T-H-O-M too. Like we both <laughs> were young kids who wanted to be different. Um, and uh so that's that's where you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Tom Harp. It's super easy. And um, and please, if you if you watch Donor Party and you enjoy Donor Party, feel free to let me know. It's really nice to to see you know and interacting with people who enjoy it. People have quoted back their favorite lines or their favorite scenes. You know, people forget that it's really nice for the artists to hear it's something connected. So tell a friend if you, if that's not, if you want to, um, it's always, it's always great. That's how word of mouth works is, you know, you tell a friend and then they tell two friends and so on and so on. And, but it's, it's just delightful to hear back when people really connect with something. I definitely hear it when people don't connect. So <laughs> when people do connect, it feels really good. So at, T-H-O-M, Harp. Go find him. Check out the donor party. Tara, where can they find you? You can find me at T-C-B-B-I-G-G-S on Twitter. And you can find We Have a Take at We Have a Take. You can find me at Rose L. Harding on both Instagram and Twitter. And also in the We Have a Take Discord. Uh, I want to thank everybody for joining us today. We were recording on a Saturday instead of our typical Sunday. Uh, we really appreciate you joining us today, Tom. And listeners, thank you for hanging in there with us today. I know it's a long one, but we appreciate you. See you guys next time. And go Blazers. <laughs>